0: Welcome to First Generation Burden, a podcast dedicated to immigrants in the creative community. My name is Rich Tu and I'm your host. This is episode 70, season 7. Last episode, I think I accidentally said season 8, but I made a mistake. We're still in 7. This episode, we have streetwear icons Ben and Bobby Hundreds, co-founders of the brand The Hundreds. We cover a lot of topics today, including how Ben and Bobby met in law school and what it was like in those early days of The Hundreds brand, They share how they stayed such strong partners for almost two decades a lot of really interesting advice for um, all you um, partners within agencies out there and their legacy on fashion and streetwear super interesting also we talk a ton about the metaverse including inclusivity in a web 3 future and how their atom bomb nft collection has strengthened their community this is another collaboration with the OG magazine. Check out their issue 5 where there is a written version of our conversation. Link in the description. Also, don't forget to subscribe and drop a review. It helps the algorithm and without further ado, here's our conversation with Ben and Bobby Hundreds on first gen burden. We are joined by Bobby and Ben Hundreds, born as Bobby Kim and Ben Shanasafar. As the story goes, these two were originally classmates in law school and eventually wanted to co found the legendary brand The Hundreds in 2003, and the rest is history. Often cited as one of the greatest streetwear brands of all time, The Hundreds is ubiquitous in the space, and the work spans everything from apparel, magazines, books, footwear, eyewear, vinyl, food festivals, and most recently, NFTs and the metaverse with the sold out Adam Bomb Squad collection. Bobby and Ben, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely, thank you uh, for being here. Uh, so my first question is usually uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from, but you know, since we have the both of you and there's so much digital ink um, on your history, I want to ask something a little bit more specific. Um, how did two children of immigrants, one of Korean descent and one of Iranian descent, build this brand that speaks to kids all around the world can you tell us a little bit about the early days and how your culture and identity factored into the hundreds creation?
1: Sure. Um, you know, Bobby and I met in, 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 graduate school, you know, almost 20 years ago. And uh, there, you know, we became friends and shared our love for sneakers and street fashion and, and street brands. And, um, you know, Bobby, uh, Bobby came to me uh, after a while and was like, Hey, like, I'm a designer. I can make t-shirts and I can write about them. Do you think you could sell them? And I'm like, yeah, I think I can sell them. Sure. Let's try, you know? And, um, you know, speaking of like my my immigrant family, my you know, my parents moved here from Iran many years ago and I was born here in the States, but I grew up with the immigrant mentality of like, <clears throat> of, in my opinion, it's really like a hustler mentality. And so when Bobby came to me and was like, hey, let's, do you think you could sell these? Like, of course I can. Yeah. Yeah. I can do that. Like I could sell anything. Like I could talk to anyone, like we'll figure it out one way or another. And so, uh, you know, we, we started out by uh, selling some t-shirts and, uh, you know, year after year, uh, grew a little bit more and, and, and still, I, I still hold that, uh, that, that, that hustler and, uh, mentality in me that, you know, that I feel like I'll, like everything can be taken away. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, I, my parents, you know, they, they moved here from Iran, um, and they came here with nothing and didn't, didn't know the language really had to learn it. Um, and I just, I think about that a lot with, with work and how, you know, God forbid, like one day if I had to just pack up and leave, you know, like I, I work hard so that, you know, I, that doesn't have to happen to me. I don't know. I just, it's this weird thing in the back of my head. And I think that m- most immigrants might share that, that energy and that feeling. Um, I know Bobby and I share that. And so uh, that was, that, that was, you know, the, the be- those were the beginning days and still have a little bit of that in me today. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we met in school, we, we started selling some t-shirts and some hoodies and some hats and went from one store to five stores to 10 stores to thousands of stores around the world. We opened up a few shops along the way. We still have a a store over on the corner of Fairfax and Rosewood where we've been for, wow, it's been 16 years now we've been over there. 15 years we've been over there, a long time. That's it in a a quick nutshell.
0: No, that's a really good nutshell. I know Bobby, if you want to add any uh, additional color to that as well.
2: Yeah, well, I can't speak for anyone who's not from an immigrant background because it's all I've ever known. But um, there always seemed to be, you know, my I'm second generation Korean American immigrant, meaning my parents moved here. I was born here in the states, uh, but there was always this sense of real urgency and survival that was built into the our upbringing, my brothers and I, and. Um, For one, we definitely looked different than the majority of our school neighborhood and surrounding community and so um, growing up in America in the 80s and 90s and not seeing yourself represented in the streets, let alone in the media or on the screen, um, I think that shapes you a certain way. You know, you're always going to feel like you are a fringe Uh, outlier, you're you're marginalized, or that you don't necessarily belong. And so I think some people, you know, it can affect you in a way where it it can be negative, it can be, you know, it can be an encouraging and inspiring thing. Um, But I think for people like Ben and I, it also helped. Shape our worldviews, and uh, we we wanted to just be more inclusive without being conscious. I think necessarily, like it's not like we had a mission statement oriented around, oh, we need to be an inclusive woke brand or anything like that. It was just, hey, like we want our brand to be reflective of the communities that we uh, envision for the world, you know, and be reflective of the diversity of our cultural landscape and. You know, if um, in, like life is not monolithic, like we don't all listen to one type of music. You know, Ben grew up listening to rap music. I grew up listening to punk and hardcore. How do we fuse those two uh, seamlessly into one project? You know, the types of art that we're uh, drawn to, the types of food that we eat. You know, let's speak many different languages because um, we've always been receptive and to that. We've been a product of that. It's like, how do we build a brand that is also complex and is a mosaic of so many different sounds and notes? So um, I think because of our background and because of our cultures and also coming from a place where we've always looked different and you know, perhaps moved differently in, within our social circles, um we ended up just building a different brand that all the other outliers marginalized uh fringe people were attracted to because they were like hey i know what that feels like whether whether or not they're iranian or whether or not they're korean you know whether or not they were into skateboarding a punk hardcore it's not about that as much as it was oh here's a brand that's not like the mainstream attitude it's not the you know the mainstream view on everything. They are um, always open-minded and and trying to include as many different voices as possible.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think both of you like really touched on it, like the idea of inclusivity, especially back in those early days. And I, I think we're actually all the same age in this Zoom. So I was born in '81, and I think you were both both in '80. So like for me, those early days, like coming out of college, was all Nike talk. And like, you know, going on the Karma loop and digital gravel and all that stuff. And, but I feel like the community back then didn't have a face attached to it because it was already like this group of multicultural kids that were really just passionate about their own passions. Then they find these connection points. I think the hundreds was part of that convergence and and became a bit of an, an avatar for what that community could have been. Um, was, was that intentional from the jump or I guess moving into the aesthetics, like, how intentional was the design in terms of wanting to speak to a community, or were you were you both just kind of jumping into your own visual interests and like you know aesthetic preferences?
2: Yeah, I don't think anything was. Uh, it, it's it, probably easier to say I don't, I don't know, looking back in hindsight, but um, I don't believe anything was conscious in the terms in terms of, like there was any real strategy to what we were doing outside of this is what inspires us. This is these are the backgrounds that we. Uh, derived from and we want to share them. You know, I think Ben and I are always curious, right? We're just, um, just we're kind of passionate people and um, genuinely curious in the world around us at all times. And um, for us at that time in our lives, a lot of it hovered around street culture that was burgeoning out of Japan and New York in the late 90s, in the early 2000s and how that intersected with like our backgrounds and experiences in skateboarding and hip hop or whatever that was. And it was just like a really flavorful and exciting time, I think, to be a, a young teenager and then into your early twenties. And so, as we were stumbling upon all these different subcultures and unearthing artists that we thought were, you know, fantastic, or like discovering brands that no one had ever heard of, like we wanted to share. You know, we're uh, more or less at the end of the day, we're educators, and we want to guide people through a lot of these worlds, like as we discovered these treasures, it wasn't enough just for us to enjoy them on our own. We wanted to share that experience with the community. And so um, when I look back on it now, what it what it means to me, and and I wrote a book about this, is that this brand was always um, a community first and clothing second, right? Like our mantra is people over product. And um, it was most important to us that uh, as we came across things and as we learned that our community was along the side of us you know, for that journey. Um, and so, you know, I think I don't know if that answered your question, but uh, we you know, aesthetically and design wise, we were just being ourselves and speaking authentically about what stoked us out. And, you know, whether it was a specific artist, whether it was a restaurant we ate at all of those inspirations and references funneled right back into the hundreds. And, uh, and so it ended up being just this really complex quilt of our lives.
0: Um, yeah, I have a question to go back to your, um, your education. So law school. So talk to Melody. She also came from law school as well. And also I was talking to, um, Ari, um, kind of one of those New York streetwear legends. And, uh, it feels like there's a deep connection between law school and streetwear, and especially around that time. What, what is that? Is that a coincidence? Like, am I, are we, are we touching upon something?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think that's, uh, a, if you ask me, I think it's just random luck, um, that we just happen to be at school at the same time and, Uh, you know, our, our interests uh, weren't necessarily in law. And, you know, we grew up in an era where all this stuff around us was interesting to us and, you know, just got lucky that, uh, that stumbled upon a business that let me, let me enjoy all my life's interests in one, you know. Um, I didn't go to law school with the intent of being an attorney. I went to law school with the intent of trying to find what i'm gonna do next and um you know luckily I, I met bobby and we hit it off and we started this business which which has led us to where we are now um but yeah i, I mean i i I, it, I think it's just random luck that that all of us uh were in law school and then ended up in in this space
0: yeah it's funny because i think the convergence of you know the business mindset, but also the forward thinking. Uh, I think that it takes a couple of different nuggets to really build like a very, a very solid base. And I feel like you two, abs- I mean, not feel like you two absolutely found it. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, in those early days, some of the challenges, I think, you know, partnerships are always a challenge, especially like one is as long and, you know, fruitful as yours. What are some of those challenges in the early days? And also like, what are some of those main learnings um, that you can possibly pass off to Like anyone else looking to step into partnerships, especially uh, one is with the, with the scope of the hundreds.
1: Sure, um, I mean, the, the two big things for me um, with, with partnership and with our partnership is that um, the first one is, is respect and you know making sure that you respect your partner. Uh, Bobby and I, 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 I mean, he's, he's everything that I would want in a partner. Um, I, uh, I, I treat him like I, would, someone, I want someone to treat me. Um, I, we share the same vision, and our goal is to carry out each other's vision for the brand. And I think that that goes into number two, which is it's important that Bobby and I, we put our brand before anything else. And so whenever we're making decisions and whenever we're working together on something and trying to figure something out, we the question always is what's best for the brand? It's not like what I want to do or what Bobby wants to do or what so and so wants to do, you know, it's it's really like where what's what do we think is really best for the hundreds? And I think that we both have that understanding, and because we both respect each other so much that when we when we're putting forward our ideas and we're sharing what we think is best for the company like both of us really listen to each other and sure are there disagreements and do we think ones you know sometimes i'm not right sometimes bobby's not right of course it happens and um, but at the end of the day we both know that like our goal in the long-term vision is for the hundreds you know we've been here almost 20 years our goal is to be here for another 50 years 100 years and like we we have that in the in the back of our mind when we're making decisions and what we think is best for the brand so like really like the the respect you have for your partner i think is very important and make sure you it's, it's someone that you you really believe in and you know as long as you guys share the, the vision for what your project is and you guys are putting that forward i think those are the two most important things for for me with with having a partner
0: are there any projects that um, either of you can name that maybe one one of you was resistant to but then the other was really passionate about that ended up being super successful I just want to hear like how potentially disagreements or like you know like the creative juice between partnerships can lead to something stellar because of you know all the conversations and bouncing back and forth
2: oh god i, I <sighs> Um I I don't know if there was ever resistance to it but I think how we both came into discovering and understanding NFTs and web3 um over the last year and some change now um was pretty uh telling you know of our relationship you know we were both understanding discovering educating ourselves along the way helping each other understand and and um Built a project out of thin air, you know, 25,000 NFTs that sold out in 40 minutes uh, in late August. And, um, you know, that I think many other brands, companies, artists, entrepreneurs would have had trouble putting something like that together in those days when there was very scant information and very low visibility on where this was all going. Today it's different because now everyone knows that it's effective and that can work. But, you know, us kind of figuring it out and making up our own rules along the way and improvising, finding the resources to help, (laughs) um, coming up with a game plan and uh, deciding on the rules by which our game was going to be played, like... Kind of like how it was in 2003 when we were starting the hundreds, like we just had to make it up out of thin air and um, it's hard enough to do that, I think, for individual singular people um, to do it collaboratively with a partner who is there to resist, push, challenge, reinforce. Disagree and enable you to achieve these visions and to come into like one strong focus and a clear idea of what that mission is. um, That's pretty unique. And so We've been able to do it multiple times throughout our career, like arguably the hundreds is probably the best testament of that. It's one thing that I really love about brand building and entrepreneurialism is that you're really imagining things out of thin air and making something out of nothing. And all of a sudden people want it and all of a sudden people need it. And you're providing jobs for lots of people and bringing entertainment and enjoyment and utility to people's lives. And um, we did that for almost 20 years with a clothing company. And now we're doing it again in the NFT space. But both times there was not a blueprint for us to follow um, as far as what was possible. You know, there's been clothing companies for generations, and clothing brands, you know, from the surf space to uh, to the urban generation of like the mid to late '90s. But when we were entering, um, we were coming at a head's with the internet and how the digital landscape was going to affect commerce and culture. And so that was very nascent technology at the time, and we figured out a way to harness it. And build what we now know today as the streetwear generation. We're just doing it all over again, but um, I think uh, I think that's pretty special in that, like, not only did we do it ourselves, but we did it together.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I feel that one of the things that the hundreds has pioneered pioneered at least for me in my head is distribution models, especially when it comes to like you know brands of of this size. Like, uh, it's amazing to me to see. You know your brand like reached like kids in middle america where other brands hadn't even done that like they were sit- sitting on the coast like you know and not to throw shade at all but when i when i was growing up and i guess in our area was you know echo had was massive lrg was also like one of the one of those legends triple five sold they had a couple of storefronts back in the east coast you know like those that's stuff that i was buying back in the day and now it's like completely changed i think that the the mechanics of the distribution, as well as like you know, such an interesting PFP um, NFT project like with the Adam Bomb collection, you know, uh, that's fascinating to me to see the hundreds enter the space so seamlessly. When it felt like other brands were essentially just dipping a toe in Web three and in the metaverse, so it felt like here's here's a little project we're gonna put out. It's gonna be it's gonna be in and out, but this felt like very planned, calculated in in a good way and also set a roadmap for a lot of other brands. I'd love to hear about what you think about um, community and as well as inclusivity when it comes to the metaverse space that we're all kind of, all universally dipping our toe into as, a, as humanity and like what, what your thoughts are on inclusivity within Web3. Well,
1: I, I mean, uh, I can answer part of that with, you know, with our project, we, <clears throat> We put it out in August, but we joined Web3 in that community about January of last year is when we learned. And it, it took us months and months and months to, to learn about the community, figure out the NFT community, the Web3 community, uh, educate ourselves, um, become friends with these people, talk with these people teach our friends and in turn teaching our friends we're learning more um so it it it. i mean the the really the nft space is is really is one giant community and then inside of each one of these communities there is the atom bomb squad community or there's the board ape community and so on and so forth um and like it's like we're all part of one giant club and even though this this giant NFT club—it's really not that big. It's still really small. But then inside of that, there are smaller clubs like like our project and and, and other and other projects. And so, you know, I, I, for us, it was really important for us to immerse ourselves in the NFT community. You know, uh, befriend a lot of people in this space, learn from them um, before we put out our own project. And, um, and even since we put out our project, it's like, we even, I didn't think we could get deeper and we've gotten even way deeper than we were before into the community and into the space. Um, and so I, I especially with the N- NFT world, uh, and web three world, it, it is, it's still so small and still so new that, um, that the, the community is really is everyone knows each other and um it's it is a very important part of the growth of this space right now.
2: Yeah, as far as inclusivity is concerned, um, one of the things I wrote about in my white paper is that um, the metaverse is a prime opportunity and a prime future for people who aren't necessarily feeling included in the conversation here in the physical world, right and so Um, There's a lot of dystopian perspectives on Metaverse and uh, what a virtual reality or an an augmented reality might look like. But the truth is that for a substantial amount of people on this planet, um, they might not be feeling very welcome or included or very much at home in the worlds that they already live in. And so the Metaverse is providing... um, a potential path for uh, people of all genders, races, class backgrounds to participate in not only an environment, but an economy where they are all on equal footing and that they can identify or be identified the way in which they would like to be perceived. Right. And so the best example of this is in Ernest Cline's Ready Player One. Right. If you've read the book or watched the movie, H's character in real life is a black lesbian woman. And in this story is like this huge, like hulking creature, because that is what they would cons- they would like to be considered as. Right. And so if you take it beyond just um, superficial, like, Ident- uh, uh, appearance, and it goes to like skill set to um, you know like the the class status that you are, and you can essentially uh, design these the way that you would like to be considered out in the universe. Like that, I think there's a very rich opportunity there. You know that uh, could I think solve a lot of people's problems if they aren't feeling necessarily like their immediate environments around them are hospitable to them. right? And so I'm just sometimes I think about, you know, we were talking about our immigrant backgrounds and growing up. And um, I for someone like me that didn't necessarily feel at place or in home, at home in my community, um, it might have been nice for me to dress up as, let's say, a board ape or an atom bomb and walk around a metaverse of other board apes and atom bombs where I wasn't being judged or um, preemptively uh, identified for like what my race was, or you know all these other social constructs that come from being an. Child of immigrants in America. Um, And I can step into a space and be known for my ideas than anything. And I think that's like a really cool part of cryptos that anonymity slash pseudonymity of um, how this technology works is that your ideas and your art and your visions and your communication can actually precede um, who you are, uh, what society is going to deem you or judge you as by your physical appearance. Or by your class, or by where you're geographically located, you know. I think it's pretty remarkable that for Ben and I, you know, working in this Web3 space over the last year and a half, you know, in a given day, we are having conversations and meetings with people in London, India, Singapore, and Australia, all in the course of like 16 hours. And um, a lot of those barriers that were, you know, there before, I think are going to be raised because, and I've been writing about this recently, you know, art and ETH are universal, right? Like those are two things that there are no language or cultural barriers to really prevent us from getting to know each other and to build it together. We can all speak ETH. We can all speak art. and um, We
0: can all speak ETH. I'm going to start saying that now.
2: We can all speak ETH, right? Yeah. <laughs> like we all know, like ETH, one ETH is one ETH to everyone on the planet. <laughs> and so, you know, if you just use that as the platform to build upon, right, I think this is a really dynamic point in history, uh, revolutionary, right, where we are all kind of on the same page. And if we're not on the same page yet, um, the metaverse, I think, is going to further facilitate and enable us to be on that same page. And so just in terms of, like, inclusivity, like, you know, and that's my answer. And then as far as community, like, this is it, a pure global community that is going to be working together for the first time. Um, and Web3, for those who don't know, like, the base definition of it is really about community ownership more than centralized ownership and it ne- not necessarily being better one way or the other, but it's just that, um, you know, there's less chance of corruption, less chance- there's more accountability in a Web3 uh, model and um, there's a greater chance of wealth parity and equal opportunity where everyone can win, not just individuals or founders.
0: Is there a hundreds metaverse coming down the pike? We're gonna hang out with you guys in Sandbox next to uh, Snoop's house. <laughs> what's uh, what's what's next for your team?
2: Yeah, uh, we've been assembling some examples of what that can look like. We released a physical collection of clothing at the tail end of December simultaneously with a digital wearables component. So the same clothes that you could buy in the real physical world, more or less, not that the digital world is not real. Uh, you could buy it at the same time in Decentraland, which is just one of the metaverses. That night to celebrate, we uh, our avatars wore the clothing and we got together for a party. And it's all kind of silly and clunky and um, kind of ridiculous. Uh, But at the same time, it shows you a glimpse of what might be possible. And so for those who are watching the metaverse thing happen and watching Facebook meta commercials and are like, this is so stupid, Uh, You're not totally wrong. A lot of it is kind of absurd. But uh, if we were to have social media, this doesn't make any sense. But if we were to have social media back in the early days of the internet and people were watching this thing assemble in real time, you would have said the same thing. You're like, this is stupid. Who is going to sit on their computers all day and talk to each other through a screen when we can get together for a coffee? And now people are complaining about Web3 and NFTs which are really just digital forums to convene and build relationships. Uh, They are complaining about them on Instagram comments and in tweets, which is a digital (laughs) forum for you to build relationships. So You're already a part of the problem if you think (laughs) that Web3 is the end of the world or NFTs or the metaverse is depressing to you. Uh, If you're complaining about it online, you already have a parallel identity in the virtual space and it's called your social media handle. Welcome to the
0: exactly. It's already too late. If you're leaving a comment, it's too late.
2: It's already too late. And you have an avatar and you have a personality that you've built online because your social media self is not you. It's your avatar. It's the identity that you've theatrically composed and presented as being authentically you. We all know it's not. Uh, that's an avatar. So Again welcome to the club
0: I have a couple last questions and know we're running up on time so I want to talk about legacy and you both have been in the game for 20 years which is wild to think that maybe because I'm, I'm looking through the lens of the elder millennial whatever the hell that means but because um, I feel like I've lived with the hundreds in my life for so long it's like it's like watching LeBron play when he's only like 37 right it's like I feel like I've been living with LeBron for so long like what 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 do you both think is is your legacy? within uh this culture legacy within creativity I um, and and what are you looking to you know leave behind you're both so young like what are you looking to leave behind in, in the decades decades on
1: i mean yeah i'm happy you said in in decades to come because i don't feel like i'm done yet um i still feel like i have i have more work to do here with the hundreds and in this space so i wanted to pull out that lebron metaphor yeah i'm not i'm not done just quite yet but um you know i i I want people to remember, you know honestly, like as as long as people remember me for running a good, honest business, you know we uh, i I Bobby and I we really do our best to help the community help uh you know we we're, we try to teach I, I guess another thing for me is I, I want to be known as like a somewhat of a teacher to our team. Um, anyone that's ever worked for, for me, for Bobby, for us, um, I think the, the greatest thing that they take away always is the education that they've gained from, from the two of us. You know, we, it, if someone wants it, we're here for them to show them the best way, whether it's to run a business, how to do sales, how to set up a warehouse, how to, um, you know, set up a line plan, how to uh, do collaborations. Like we run your website. We really, we let our team really get involved and we show them the way. Um, and, I, you know, I, I would love if, if everyone came to work from us and then afterwards they went on to go do their own thing and become their own biggest and, and best brand. Um, and if we can say, if, if I could say that, you know, we helped along the way, and we were an inspiration and also a teacher and a friend you know i, I would love to be remembered for that I, absolutely and i you know we have a great uh, a great alumni that that has worked for the hundreds i'm very proud of a lot of the staff that has come through these doors um and uh i i really do uh i i am proud of 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 the people we put through here and then, and also, you know, putting them under our wings and, and being, being teachers to them and uh, showing them the best, the best way to do things and showing them that they could be the best also that, that they, they don't need to settle and that, you know, they could, they could have their own big brand. They could do it their way. Um, those are, those are a few things that I, I would, I mean, there are probably a, a few more, but those are two things that come to mind right now that I've, I'd love to be remembered for.
2: Yeah, I I would to piggyback on that. I I I feel the same. I you know Ben Ben and I we weigh our accomplishments not in terms of like you'd be hard pressed to get me to uh, call out a piece of clothing that you know we were like super proud of in the spring of two thousand thirteen. But I could tell you who was working with us at that time that. Uh, we are proud of who that person who that person became in their career or you know where they went in their lives. And so I think we weigh our accomplishments according to um, the people that we've helped along the way in their careers, whether they worked with us or whether we collaborated with them. Um, and then also just looking out at our greater community under the hundreds and now Adam do bomb squad of uh, a lot of those bridges that we helped forge between people. And so like some people met and started dating, got married after like meeting through something, the hundreds related others built business partnerships, you know, others um, just found friends for life. And like, that's the kind of thing that I think makes us feel prouder than anything at all. Like we've built a successful business, multiple we've, you know, made some money. We've like created some prod delivered projects to streetwear that are pretty memorable. Um, but at the end of our lives, I think we're going to look back and be like, oh, isn't it cool? Like what that person became, or, you know, like that one, uh, man or woman who was working for us, like ended up becoming this, or, you know, like those stories, like we get a real kick out of. And so, um, I think that's, that's what our legacy uh, will probably lie in.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I love that. And also, thank you so much, Ben Hundreds, Bobby Hundreds. It's been such a great conversation. Truly appreciate both of you. And uh, love that you are always and have been about community. So cheers. Kudos to you both.
1: Thanks. Great question. Yeah, thank you, Rich. Thank you for having us.
0: Covered a lot of history there, past, present, and future, just the way I like it. Hope you all got as much out of that conversation as I did. Had a ton of fun. Thanks again to Ben and Bobby for stopping by. Thank you for listening. You can find the First Generation Burden podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast content. Please rate us and drop a review. It helps the algorithm. Go to firstgenburden.com for all the episodes, all 70 of them. Isn't that crazy? All 70? On Instagram, we're at firstgenburden, and you can find me, your host, at T-U. Check out the OG Magazine where you can get a written version of this conversation. Link in the description. Thanks to the DesGen team for their support. Thanks to you, the listener. Be safe, everyone.